Welcome, everyone, to Back in My Day. My name's David Petrangelo, and this week, the not-so-stereotypical millennials are sort of talking Halloween, sort of, with an old 90s book-slash-TV show. And then we're also going to uh, break down some of our thoughts about the latest blockbuster movie as well, and, I guess, home video in some ways, Dune. So this week, I am joined by... Michael R. Power. And wife power. Welcome, welcome. So I had this brilliant idea that we look back at. I, I it's more of a classic book series than a classic TV series. I would say Goosebumps. Um, I think pretty much everybody has more experience, at least our age, anyway, with what the books gave us in the '90s. Um, I think I probably owned twenty or thirty of these books growing up and read through a whole bunch of them a bunch of times. I don't really remember any of the stories. I don't know if anyone really does, but instead of going out and buying a bunch of books or uh, trying to find not so legal copies of it to read, (laughs) and that takes more time, I thought, let's try to see if this show, the Goosebumps show that was out in the mid to late 90s is also available for us to watch. And lo and behold, a collection of episodes are on Netflix, at least here in Canada. And It is a show that was actually filmed in Canada as well in the Toronto area, which is cool. And uh, so sort of in our, in our hood. And I figured let's just watch a few episodes and see how they go. Um, Mike, what'd you think of the episodes and which ones did you watch? I guess, because it's not like it, it says season one on Netflix, but it's really just a collection from, I think the two or three seasons that they did. They're not actually like consistent. No, they definitely aren't. Cause what was the one that we noticed? It was like, the dummy episode two, but dummy, it's like yeah. you can't see the you don't see the first one. Yeah, Night of the Living Dummy <laughs> two is on this season collection on Netflix, but not the first one mm-hmm. for some reason. So, um, yeah. you guys, did you guys watch them all together, the two of you, or we did most mostly? I think I watched one or two without White okay. Power, but um, so. Yeah, I guess I'll go first. The books I loved and I had many of them and I really, really, really liked them. The show I also liked a lot. And I guess I watched it a lot because when I watched the first episode, I just remembered it instantly. The monsters come to dinner or whatever it's called. I uh, girl books. who cried, girl who cried, monster. girl who cried, monster. Okay. Yeah. And then um, I just knew all the twists like right away. I remember that book. I knew that episode so well. Um, yeah, it doesn't really hold up great, but looking at it, a lens of like now, the effects are in the acting and it's a low budget and cheesy but whatever yeah it's made and it's made for kids so it's hard to to be too critical of it but yeah i watched that one uh the sponge the killer sponge one came from under the sink i want i skipped ahead to the uh slappy and the living dummy one because slappy was my favorite character in all of the goosebumps i went for him as halloween he actually really <laughs> yeah he actually was the only one like i read all the goosebumps books not that scary like kids scary like even when yeah. you're a kid it's like yeah but those but that one was actually freaky and the sh- and the show the episode actually freaked me out as a kid it's the only one that scared me that one and then there was some like 
um, one about like an axe murderer hunchback in like a tower yeah or castle yeah. those two actually scared me i can't remember so what, we, which one that was yeah it was like the clock tower or something yes i think it was yeah, yeah something clock tower yeah so yeah then we watched a few other ones but yeah it was it was good i was like fan of the books from goosebumps and the show when i was a kid and it was kind of a fun thing to watch around halloween and maybe when yeah. our kids are a bit older we'll show it to them because it is very like kid friendly it's very, very cheesy way, very so. cheesy kid friendly yeah, yeah that's that's the biggest thing um you know, similar. Do you have experience with the books? Did you read them? I read a couple of them. I don't think I was like as big of a fan as Mike was, but I'm, I actually pulled it up and I'm looking at a bunch of the covers now and I'm like, oh man, I, I've definitely read more than I thought I did. Yeah. Like I'm looking at the covers and I'm like, oh, I read, I remember that cover. I remember this one. Um, the covers so. is exactly what was par- sparking my, um, my memory too, because like I saw the titles on Netflix and it doesn't show you what the cover of the book yeah. was and it doesn't actually in the show either. And then I see that cover and go, Oh yeah, hundred percent. I read that one or yeah, it was so, one that got passed around the library or something like that. Like, yeah. And I was, I was telling Mike too, like the ones that stand out to me too, is I remember like reading a couple of the choose your own adventure ones yes. where it's like, you got to bounce around the book a bit more. Um, so like, that was pretty cool, but yeah, similar notes to like Mike, like watching it in your 30s, like they're pretty cheesy, like they don't really hold up for adults, but like I could see why 12 year old me loved them. Yeah. Um. So like, yeah, they don't really hold up now, but like I, I can see the nostalgia of like watching them as a kid, like they would be fairly creepy and um. So like it brought, it brought back some good memories. Yeah. Yeah. I I found, I mean, I I didn't expect it to be like this amazing show or anything like that, but Uh it was, it was, I, I I kind of forget what some of these stories were. Like I kind of forget how they were written or really what the story was like, Oh, there's a monster and he's a librarian. Yeah. I remember that one, but then like all the details of like at the end when also the parents are a monster and also this and also that. And then the episode ends, which is basically when the book would end. It's like, I don't remember the books just being like twist after twist after twist in the last, yeah. like, I guess, chapter is probably what it would have been. Right. So I actually had no idea. I completely forgot that, especially in that first episode, that the parents and the family were also monsters. I had no idea. Mm. <laughs> so I sat there and I was like, oh, oh, crap. <laughs> <laughs> I was I actually that. legitimately surprised. Yeah. It was so funny. <laughs> that one creeped me out because it was like, did the parents just eat someone in front of their children? Like I think the children they did. were like smiling and yeah. laughing. And I'm like, this is a little like <laughs> it's a little much. <laughs> it's a little psychotic. <laughs> <laughs> the the funniest, the funniest one that I watched had to have been uh the girl who cried monster one, which is the boy who cried wolf basically, but, or sorry, the, uh, it came from beneath the sink, mm, which is, funny. which is a similar theme to the girl who cried monster where it's like the boy who cried wolf and, and all that kind of stuff. And, but this one just happens to be like a killer sponge or something. And I'm just like, this is so, it's so ridiculous. The whole episode. Yeah, the <laughs> ending was stolen straight from uh, ghostbusters too, where it's yeah. like music <laughs> um yeah you know what i was thinking about when i was watching these shows like after it's like this is what we kind of 
read when we were like, what age would you say? Nine to 12, maybe 13 yeah, like maybe kind of like 12. I think that's about the right age. Something and like it's that. like, yeah. these books are so like, they're scary. So maybe they made a lot of lifelong horror fans or something, but they're still kid suitable. And they're very like PG. It's like, no one dies, no blood. There's no nudity or sex or violence. And it's like, these days kids read these books it's like twilight and all this stuff there's always like a love triangle and it's like mm-hmm. i don't know it's just like it was so much more innocent in the 90s for some well, yeah. reason i don't know why what which episode was i think it was um part one and two because they split it up into two this is like the only one that i watched that was a part one and two where it says well where it was welcome to camp nightmare that one mm-hmm. and i don't know if you guys remember the story from the books or if you guys watched this one but um there's so many points in this episode where they could have said to exactly what you're saying, like, oh, this person died or or it killed this kid. And they always stop themselves short until the very end of the episode. They stop themselves short of saying, oh, yeah, you killed this kid or, oh, that kid drowned or that kid's dead. Like they just they never really get to that point because they don't want it to be that, I guess, gruesome or serious. But then. There's the scene, like you said, Mina, where the parents basically just eat people in front of their kids. Yeah. Like, uh, <laughs> but it's like off screen. There's no blood or it's not. Yeah, you don't like see anything, but you're shown. just sitting it's You're just, sitting there as an adult and you're like, wait a yeah. second. Did they just eat a person? <laughs> like, <laughs> but he was a monster. You got to remember that. So it was okay. He was also a monster. He was a very creepy <laughs> librarian. Okay. Oh, yeah. Monster or not, he was a creep. <laughs> He was super creepy. Like when he brings the backpack to the house, like that guy played a real good predator. Like he <laughs> creeped me out. <laughs> Huge stranger danger uh, oh. in that episode. <laughs> yeah. Like they might have like got someone that went to jail for like yeah. being a predator to play that character. That's how well done the guy's acting was. <laughs> the um the Camp Nightmare one was the was the most recent one that I watched and I don't know if you guys remember this one, but a bunch of kids go to the camp. There's there's a boys group and a girls group and they get split up. And then basically the main character, the Billy kid, just starts noticing all the weird stuff that's going on. And then the first half is him just sort of not really sure what's happening and trying to figure out like one kid gets bit by a snake and the counselors are just like, oh, it's no big deal. Even though his arm is all swollen and is bandaged up and everything. No big deal kids drown in the lake and they're like it's no big deal everything will be okay and just like what is happening in this show and then there's like literally like 10 twists at the end of the episode where they're like not only is this not a real camp but your parents work for this strange government program and you're in some sort of like testing ground for how you react to situations like this and then they look and then they and then they go oh so we're going on an expedition now that you passed billy this is what's going to happen. We're going to go to earth. And then they point at the sky and you see earth in the sky. And they're like, Oh, what? I hope earth isn't as dangerous as this planet is. And they're like, mm, I think it might be. I was like, what is happening in this episode? <laughs> Better go get your things back. Billy expedition leaves first thing in the morning. Where are we going? Very far away. A place called earth. Research tells us the aliens there are pretty dangerous and uh, unpredictable. Huh. Bet you they're not as crazy as Larry and uncle Al. <laughs> You never know, Billy. You never know. <laughs> it's so weird. <laughs> Maybe we should have watched that one. What was R.L. Stein on when he wrote yeah, these, what is a million happening? of these books? <laughs> 
It was Pageant. such a such a strangely dark episode that I just could not wrap my head around it. <laughs> so weird. We watched one um, called "Say Cheese and Die." Oh yeah, and we we like purposely picked that one because we found out that Ryan Gosling was in it. <laughs> um, and it's like he's like legit a kid. Like he sounds different. He like. It was just, it was kind of funny to like see him as like probably like, like a, as a kid or actor. Yeah. One of his early probably roles. Yeah. Yes. He's Canadian. So it must, must have happened that way. Yeah. I looked it up and there's actually quite a few spots that are in the area that we all grew up in. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of these places were a 15, 20 minute drive from where we all grew up. And I'm just like, oh, yeah. Wow. I know exactly where that is. So it's just this mm-hmm. like small, like you said, Mike it's a low budget and it's kind of cheesy and things like that. So I think you can, you can kind of tell because the way it's shot as well, like anytime there's like a weird suspense thing, it's like the camera zooms in and it kind of like turns on its side. And <laughs> there's all these weird little things that they have to do to sort of spruce it up a bit, I guess. <laughs> yeah. I would say it's not as scary as are you afraid of the dark either. And so I think it's like, if you have a kid, maybe around 10 to 12, you want to show them some somewhat Halloweeny themed, somewhat spooky tv with your kid like this is a good thing to put on on netflix yeah, it's pretty that's harmless. probably the use yeah that's probably how we'd use it i wouldn't recommend any like adult on their own watch these goosebumps you want to have a scare like on, on halloween night yeah. <laughs> there's probably a lot better you could do but hey well i i watched uh for adults i watched uh halloween kills last week mm-hmm. and yeah, it, obviously it's an adult movie, but it's also not fantastic either. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you could definitely do better than Goosebumps and Halloween Kills. So. I was gonna say, I was gonna say, I thought you were gonna say, watch Goosebumps over Halloween Kills. No, so you're here to no. hear first. Especially hot, hot takes on back in my day. <laughs> I wish, I wish I could get to that point. I wish, yeah. but uh, I don't know which one I had more fun with because Halloween Kills takes itself pretty seriously, and I don't mm-hmm. know if it should. Goosebumps, I don't know if it takes itself seriously, no, but at least you can not. have a good yeah. time laughing at it and with it mm-hmm. um, for various reasons that we've talked about. So, um, yeah, so we watched it so everyone else doesn't have to. So once again, yeah. I apologize for having our podcast have to watch something that is painful, but uh, also, you know, eh, it's a funny laugh. We'll just move we'll on to it. the next one. <laughs> we'll do it for the listeners. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> on the topic of like good like Halloween movies, though, yeah. I'm going to have to look it up what it's called. Mike, unless you remember what it's called. The one with Vince Vaughn where he switches the body with the cheerleader. Oh, uh, Freaky. Was yeah. It freaky? Yeah. Something like that. I think it is. It is anyway, Freaky. Yeah. Yeah. It is actually really good. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Mike and I went into it thinking it was going to be like super stupid, like not a very good movie. And we actually were like really pleasantly surprised by that one. Like it was a good like slasher film, but like didn't take itself like super seriously. Like it was a good watch if anyone's well, looking for, for something like that. Yeah. Mike mentioned that I think last year you might've watched it or mm-hmm. earlier this year or something like that. And I was like, Oh really? It's actually good. But mm-hmm. there you go. Another time, another reminder. It, I, I saw it, it was on Netflix or it's on Amazon or something the other day. And I was like, Oh, I should watch this based on the fact that 
Mike said it was a really good movie and I just I haven't watched it yet, but maybe that's what I'll watch. I'm watch almost done. Halloween. I know I'm yeah. almost done Midnight Mass. I have one episode left and um, that's a great, great, great any time watch, but especially now if you want a Halloween feel. Um, but uh, maybe Freaky is what I'll watch on Halloween. Maybe that's what I'll do. Um, okay, so uh, we also watched the most recent Big movie by uh, Danny Villeneuve and his crew. I think there's a few different writers on it. It wasn't just him, but he directed it. And we're a pretty big fan of, of what he's done because we really like Blade Runner, um, the latest Blade Runner movie. Love uh, it. I, yeah, I absolutely love Arrival. I think it's one of yep. the greatest sci-fi movies ever, in my opinion. Um, you know, it, agreed. It, yeah. So it's it's hard to it's hard to say like, you know this movie's not going to look great or this movie's not going to have an epic scale because all, all the movies so far that he's been you know, famous for, at least in the last 10 years, have had that feel. So that was kind of what we expected going in. Um, and it's based on a previous property, as many pro- probably know by now. I think we'll probably just spoil from the beginning this movie because um, otherwise we're just going to beat around the bush a little bit too much. But um, Mike, I know you get the spoilers. eh? Yeah, let's just jump. I think. Well, I think as we talk about it, it's okay to do that. And okay, um, you know, and I say we try to keep it non-spoilery, but just warning, just in case we slip. Yeah, I think think it's hard to not spoil. That's the thing. Yeah, yeah. Like, there's a lot that they don't really give away in the trailers. So, like, I think it's going to be hard to like not spoil some stuff. So, if you don't want to know anything about the movie. Maybe mm-hmm. wait until you watch the movie to continue. Yeah, yeah. Wait, save yourself, give yourself a good two and a half hours, sit down, and then come yeah. back for our 20 minute talk <laughs> about it. You have a, a complete three hour uh, experience. How about that? <laughs> yeah. Are you trying to give me court martial? Can I trust you with something? I've been having dreams about a girl falling in battle. Felt like a vision. Dreams make good stories. But everything important happens when we're awake. To the future of House Atreides. You have to be ready. There is no call we do not answer. There is no faith that we betray. They're not human, they're brutal. What if I'm not dead? You'll still be the only thing I ever needed you to be. Come on! My son. Actually, Wife Power, I want to start with you because I know Mike's read the book. I don't know if you have, and I'm really curious what you thought about the movie. I loved it. Um, I'm I am like a huge sci-fi fan. I didn't read the book, um, so I had the opportunity to lean over and ask questions to the individual that did read the book in our household. Um, so yeah, but. I, and it only I, took me a year. Did it take you a really long time? <laughs> well, it, it's a giant book, so <laughs> he kept falling asleep. Yeah, that's the too. reason. He'd read like a chapter, and then he'd be like, "I don't remember what I just read." And would have to read. <laughs> and it's dense, and we have well, yeah. a child, so yeah. yeah. So there you go. It's not exactly easy. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it was really good. I had there's like when we get more into the discussion, there was. I wouldn't say it was like the perfect movie um, because I did have some like issues, but um, for the most part, like 
um, it's pretty close to perfect. Like nice. it's, it's a really good movie. All right. Mike, Mr. Uh, Mr. Uh, I, I've read the book. The only one who's read the book out of the three of us. What do you think? Yeah, but I'm not. So to be fair to like, this book is a classic and to be fair to people who love the book and read it like a long time ago, I'm more of a Denis Villeneuve fan is like how I came and found the book when I heard right. he was making the movie. So Denny Villeneuve, the Canadian director, shout out to him. I think he's the best director working right now. I think he is the master of the science fiction adaptation. That's what I, that's how I would, what he's doing right now, because Arrival, uh, when I saw that, like you, Dave, I was blown away. It was based on a short, short story by Ted Chiang. And then I bought the book, read all the short stories. Oh, yeah, I still have to do that. Oh, it, I can lend it to you. The story yeah. that the movie is based on is a very good story, but like, the adaptation of the story was so well done. Yeah. And then Blade Runner, uh, Blade Runner is based on a story too, a short story. Um, and then, you know, he took that and the movie and adapted that. And now he's taking basically the Holy Bible of sci-fi stories and he's adapting that. And he's probably like the only one that could do it. And it, as an adaptation of the book, which I read the book, I really, really liked the book, really dense, really hard to get through. Um, very long. Like, and you read the one, right? right there's, a, there's a few of them, I think. Right? I read the first two. Oh, yeah. the first two. Okay. And this movie only covers half of the first book. Yeah. Okay. So, so a quarter of what you read, basically, is kind of yes, what it is. basically. Yeah. <laughs> but the book is so sprawling, and there's so many characters, and there's so many storylines. And I think what the hardest thing must have been to find the one through line through the book to, to tell you in a movie, because you kind of need to like focus on one character. And Paul is obviously the main character, but like, you could go on so many offshoots. You could go down so many rabbit holes because it's such a he like the world is so. But it's like the game of the game, oh, not the Lord of the Rings of like sci-fi. It's like right, right, what it is, right, like that dense. Um, but he, what he, what he managed to do was he managed to pick out like all of the important scenes and moments and all of the big scenes that I remembered from the book um, were in the movie. I can't believe how much of it he captured. Like every all like the big moments of the book, like the mm-hmm. ones that were really memorable. And then, but he also seemed to get across all the information that you need to get across that the book would have spent pages and pages and chapters. Like he, he stream, streamlined the key information. Yeah, he streamlined it, but still made it dense, still made the world feel super, super big, still made the characters all fleshed out. Like I think it was, uh, I actually think it was an incredible job of an adaptation. And yes, the ending is abrupt and it doesn't feel like a full movie, probably. But as an adaptation of the first half of the book, I think it was like more well done than anyone could possibly do. And I think it's probably my favorite book to film adaptation, like more than the Lord of the Rings adaptations, more than any other book to film I've read. I really was like, oh man, he really captured like everything about the book. Nice. The first half of the book really nice. well. And I've loved every second of it. And he's an amazing director. All the actors he got were amazing. It looked incredible, like absolutely incredible. Like we didn't see on the big screen. We just saw it to get home. I want to see it in theater. It would be amazing. Even better, probably. But I could just tell how good it looked, even, even on our TV at home. So anyways, I thought it was a great movie. I think you should check it out. And um, I think, like I said, he's the best director working right now. And he's Canadian. So yeah. we're proud of him. Even better. <laughs> we're proud even better. Yeah. <laughs> he's ours. Yeah, he's ours. Um, I, even I, though he's uh, French-Canadian. It's okay. Yeah. It's okay. <laughs> we'll still keep them yeah yeah, yeah we'll, we'll, we'll we'll accept them yeah um yeah so i i it's hard because i haven't um i can't say that it's like the best adaptation not just because i haven't read the book but there's a lot of 
sci-fi based properties that I haven't read the book or the graphic novel or, or short story, whatever it might, but I really enjoy the movie. So I do think it's an amazing movie. I don't think it's the greatest movie ever, but I also think part of that is not really the movie's fault because it's only supposed to be a part one. Um, so I do think that if, when we get the full story, now that we know that the second one at least is coming out, I do think that will elevate what I think about this movie. Um, I did enjoy, uh, the first, I would say, I don't know. It's hard to tell because it's so long. It's two and a half hours. I would say the first third to half, I enjoyed much more than the end, um, than the second half. Cause I really liked when they first arrived on the planet. I really liked the sort of how they set up and the reasons why, and sort of trying to figure out what their motivations are. Are these the good guys? Are these the bad guys? And then when the twist sort of happens of, of what the story really is and how they're basically spoiler set up to fail basically and, and wipe them off. I think that's great. I think it's super cool how that happens. And like you said, yeah, we don't have all the details from all the pages, like you said, Mike, but I think they give you enough information that you get it. And then you understand the, 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 you grasp what's going on. And I think that's, it, it's done well enough. That, uh, that I don't think you need to really go further and all that much deeper. I'm sure you find out more as the story goes on, but for now, for this half of, of, uh, of the story, I think it works. Um, I really don't understand the last half hour to 20 minutes of this movie. I just don't get it. Like I, I just have a hard time understanding why they chose to end it there and the last few scenes leading up to it just did nothing for me. So I liked everything before that, but it's hard not to get swept up into this type of movie because it's so big. It looks so amazing. The acting is, is great. I would say like 90% of the way, but even then there's not really a whole lot of things you could say is there's not like terrible acting or anything in this movie. So um, mm. no. Okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. We'll get to it. Um I just, I think that, I think that I had, a, it's fun. It looks cool. I think the, the innovations they have and how they brought whatever's on the page to life, the ships, the sandworms, the, you know, all the little things that sort of make this world a world or this universe, a universe, I think works really well. And I think that's what I like about it more than this individual movie. You know what I mean? Like I really like the world. So maybe I would really enjoy the book, although books that are super dense also aren't my cup of tea either. So I, I'm happy that they're making this into a movie or series of movies. Um, I really liked it. I really, really liked it. And it was something that I'll need to watch again because I think I missed a lot of stuff, <laughs> but I still really liked it. And uh, to that end, what was so bad about the acting? <laughs> <laughs> One actor, I think, in particular. Oh, yeah? Okay. Yeah. Like, I don't want to be hard on the guy because like he's just he's definitely not the same caliber actor but like Jason Momoa to me just stuck up like a complete sore thumb in the movie like especially like there's one scene where he's he's standing behind Oscar Isaac and um the the uh, the leader of like the I don't know the, Fremen? the tribes the Fremen yes the Freeman he he spits and then Jason Momoa like steps in and he says a line and it just was like the delivery of it just didn't fit the movie like it was it was almost like Aquaman style like it was like too comedic too like he's the comic the relief right yeah but I just for me in the movie it just it doesn't 
it didn't work. Like yeah. that, that's just like my opinion. But for me, like it, I liked his action scenes. Like I like when he's like escaping, when he's, he's fighting in the tunnel, like or when he's flying the spaceship, like all that's really cool. Like I mm-hmm. think he's a really good like action hero, but just like, and I don't, I was telling Mike too, like, I don't even know if it's like the writing, like the way they wrote, like wrote the lines for him. That's like how he del- like, so it's like, I don't know if it's delivery or the writing or a combination of the both, but it just like, to me, it just didn't fit. Like it, it just like, it stood out so much and like, yeah, it was, it was mostly every time he, like he talked, it's like, but all his like action <laughs> scenes and like him in the costume, like all that looked really, really cool. And maybe that's what they, maybe that's what they went for. Like when they got him as the actor, but like the line deliveries were like, Oh, they just felt a little bit off for me. So well, what like, did you guys think of Timote? Oh, Timote? <laughs> uh, fine. I guess. I mean, I, I don't, I don't know if he's supposed to be, I mean, I know he's not 20 years old, but is he supposed to be a 20 year old that is going to be, he's supposed to be 16, younger. 17. I mean, they, they call, they call him a kid. Right. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, yeah. I assume they mean that he's a teenager or he's, you know, 22 at the oldest or something like that, which is fine. Um, I don't know. I, I don't, aside from a couple scenes, I don't know that he does much. He does a lot of staring and whispering and yeah and things like that yeah i uh i i I like i like him i when i heard the uh i read the book i kind of knew the casting first that's always what i pictured in my head oh yeah cool and it's like he has this like curse of like being born as like the chosen one and being benny jesuit and being um the prophecy and so he's not really like in the book it's like he's not really in control you know what i mean because like their future and his path is kind of like laid out for him and he doesn't really have any choice. That's, and it's, a, it's kind of like feel that like, that's what, that's kind of like what he has to bring to the table of like, of like, I'd have no free will, you know, this is you guys birthed me to be destined to do all this stuff. And I have no choice. And like, I think that comes across really well. In the book, mm-hmm. and that's like the struggle of the character. Right. I, I think, I think comes yeah. Across. I think in the movie, it only comes across in like one scene where he's in the tent thing with his so mom. I think he has to act a bit kind of like, vacant a bit like without emotion because like i don't know it's just like you well, do that with like the visions and stuff like that and you kind of like see yeah what's gonna happen and my, my problem with that. that though is that I, th- I think you're right i think once he knows that i think it makes sense but before that point my problem with him is that he still acts that way mm-hmm. so he doesn't know that he or has much of an idea but maybe that's just who he is as a character and that's fine but i i don't know that right so i understand him being upset and his mom and you know you you did this to me and i never chose this like all of those things completely make sense it feels like um uh you know there's other movies like uh, uh, uh the matrix or something you know like there's there's things that are somewhat similar to that um i think he's a little bit less reluctant i think in in the matrix but um but i i just like he he doesn't he just feels like he just wants to do nothing at all on the whole movie like it just doesn't feel like he's motivated and he's just on rails and i know that's mm. sort of what you're mm-hmm. saying mike is that he's on rails and he doesn't have a choice but he still felt that way even before that mm-hmm. to me the only thing i think that he did himself was he tried to educate himself on the planet that they were going to and i think that part's kind of cool because he's now to me it seemed like he's now the most knowledgeable person on this planet 
com- even compared to his parents, especially his dad, you know, all those things. I think that's great. Um, but other than that, it just felt like he was just along for the ride until he found out that he was the chosen one or whatever you want to call it. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But Oscar Isaac killed it. Oscar Isaac was so good. He was he great. Crushed it as did Duke Leto and like, I don't know, like he actually probably doesn't have too many lines, too much screen time. He's, he's, you know, killed like spoilers. He's like killed off. He is killed off in the book. Like what feels like quite early. And so I was wondering how much movie he's going to be in and how he was going to be able to like portray the character supposed to portray. He was supposed to be like, kind of like the most noble person, the person that the Bene Gesserit saw to be, um, to be the next person to breed with. Cause they're like selective breeding, trying to make the chosen one over like generations so much that whenever Jessica, the mom, like saw him, she saw that he was like so good that she felt like he's the one that's going to give the male heir and to be the chosen one. That's like yeah, the best she chance made, or whatever it is. Yeah, yeah. She kind of like made the decision like against like, like the queen mother or the reverend mother or whatever. And like, I don't know. I thought he did a great job. Like him and Rebecca Ferguson as the yeah. lady Jessica, I think were like, yeah, really, really Good. They're the standouts for sure. It was a bit there. We, we were a bit Zendaya baited by the, yeah. by the, uh, <laughs> by the like trailers and all the advertising. Cause like I knew that was gonna happen from the book. Cause I knew it was only the first half of the book. Like, yeah, she's basically not in the movie. So don't go into the movie. Well, obviously if you're listening to this, you've seen the movie, but yeah, it's like surprise. She's not really in it, but she'll be a bigger character. She is everything in the trailer in the book, so. was in the movie based like with her. Yeah. Yeah. yeah aside from like maybe a couple shots, like, She's in it for what four minutes total, and all of it, most of it, is slow motion See, like with her she's, turning to the camera. Honestly, like just, she's basically not in the movie. Like no, I would, she's like, she's really not. She's not. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, she's in the last like thirty minutes, and that's and does nothing and has nothing and does nothing yeah. in those like, thirty minutes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she's yeah. like here's oh, the kni- here's the knife you're gonna die with. Like <laughs> yeah. oh cool thanks. <laughs> like, yeah, I don't know. I, like I, a... I think I think we're nitpicking, but I but it's yeah, it's easy to nitpick when the rest of everything else around it is that good well we're just saying like they 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 tricked everyone with the marketing and trailers right like yeah, that's the thing I, where we kind of take the or have a bit of an issue with it's not yeah because she's going to be in more of the next movie but it's like relying so heavily on her for the marketing when she's barely in it is just pretty funny well i think that's like that the problem with it for me was like it was a bit distracting like i kept watching the movie and then i would like pause at certain points and i'd be like okay like we're in it we're an hour into this movie. Like Zendaya is in this, right? Like she was like, where is she? (laughs) She's like all over the press, like even more than like Oscar Isaac. Like they made it seem like her and Mm -hmm. Timothy Chalamet were like the main characters of the movie. And it's like, so you're sitting there watching it and you're like, am I missing something? Like when does she like join? I remember reading that like, um, they didn't do the Lord of the Rings thing, but they filmed all the movies in a row which is obviously a huge mistake now. The second movie has been greenlit, although I'm happy it's greenlit. But, like, now they have to get everyone back together, right? So, like, her involvement in this movie, I'm pretty sure I read it was only, like, four days of shooting, which adds up. And, like, she probably spent more time marketing the movie than she did, like, any shooting, including all the preparation and knowing her lines and fitting and everything, right? Like, so... uh, And it's not like they filmed the second one right after, right? They all went away. So she it's so uh, she'll be back and she'll be much more involved in the next movie and she's a great actress so it still was a good choice to bring her in it's just funny how much they marketed around her so um, i think it would have been almost better if they hid her 
So it's like yeah. they didn't show her at all. And then you're watching the movie and it's like at the end, it's like they bring her out and you're like, oh crap, like that's a big actress to like mm-hmm. bring yeah, in for like the role, next yeah. movie. Yeah, like it, this is going to be like a like a big role. Javier Bardem, like, he's going to be in it more. So, and, and there's other actors, I won't spoil the next book, but there are other, or the next half of the book, but yeah, there are other actors that are going to be involved more. And so you can see why they might've taken the role, even though they're barely in it. Mm-hmm. um so actually in the next the second book is going to be a lot more action they don't have to set up the world and set up the characters i think it's going to be like freaking amazing yeah this whole movie seems like a setup and, and but it's but it's a really good setup right like mm-hmm. i mean it, it they built the world so well i mean they have the um their ships that look like dragonflies and stuff like those mm-hmm. things look so cool and and you know they yeah. really try to explain the spice a lot and and what it means and and how you can see it and you know how the sandworms are so sensitive to sound and not like all those little things that they lay out there um they 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 plant the seeds early in the movie and then they come to bear later in this movie and then they're definitely going to happen in the next one right so mm-hmm. i think it's a it's a two and a half hour setup which you know, I, I don't think that that's a bad thing. That doesn't mean that this movie's worse. I don't think, no. but I do think that it the needed, next one will make this better. Yeah, it needed to be done. Like, it's yeah. all important information that we needed. And like, um, the one thing I really liked about the movie was they, it reminded me of like the whole Jaws aspect of like monster movies where it's like the sandworms are so much more, like so much cooler and more elusive because it's like, they don't show them. Like they show them like Mm -hmm. tunneling through the sand and like they show the two scenes where you get to see them like a little bit, but like for the most part, they're like, like I'd say like you didn't really get to see one like to its full extent. Um, So it's like that one scene, like two hours in or whatever. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But even that, the mouth, maybe you just, you see like the mouth and the, the, like, the, the very end the kind front of like for a quick shot but you never yeah. really like see like the full worm like it's always right. kind of, like the the scale that he pulls off in this movie like yeah. that mm-hmm. was what's like to make the worms actually feel like they're like um the size of skyscrapers right and when the sands are in there like the characters feel so small and that's how it should be they're like massive right well and, and then- that's <laughs> that's something that he's he did well in both blade runner and arrival mm-hmm. right is that everything had you know Villeneuve is it's like I kept saying a million times watching this going oh my god they make the they make that ship look so big that building is so big the worm is you know all those things you know okay it's not but it's not just there to wow you it's there to give you a sense of what the world is and that's why this is so good Frank Herbert for like developing that world like he really like had a vision and it's like it's so um respected as like such a good sci-fi work because it's like we're not really really early sci-fi is one of the first writers yeah, it's what, 50, what I 60 years old now to so. think of like hey what if this technology progresses in hundreds of thousands of years you know what could it look like and it's like spaceships the size of cities and like um armies of like millions of people and i think it's like a hundred thousand years I think was it a hundred or was it? I thought it was ten thousand and four hundred or something was the year. Or Maybe. Something like that. Well, yeah. it's like, but like, does the year even is it even still? Is that even plus the year two thousand? That's just their own time. Right? Yeah, it's like, yeah. Like in right. the book, it's like Earth itself is like a huge afterthought. So it made me thought yeah. think that it was like after the sun burnt out and humans had left uh, Earth and colonized. It's and new everyone, time. 
Yeah. Yeah. And like everyone kind of like is a descendant from Earth, but so long has gone on that some Earth people landed, not everyone, but some Earth yeah. Earthlings landed on this planet, some on this planet. And they've changed after thousands of years. Now they're all over the galaxy. And like it's that's what it kind of feels like. And it's like, wow, what if we populated the whole universe the way we've populated Earth? And you'd have these ships the size of cities and you'd have planets that would just mine resources and you'd have an intergalactic empire and like these big houses that ruled over the planets like it's so well it's such it's so creative but like well thought out and like really the world is like feels like a real world it's crazy and and like and, you uh, said that's that's not yeah and that's that's because of the book yeah it's courtesy mm-hmm. of the book right so um okay so let's let's talk about the ending a little bit or lack thereof i mean i don't know it, it's it's fine my problem with the ending wasn't necessarily where they ended it specifically. One was the line, the last line of the movie. This is only the beginning. I'm like, okay, silly. <laughs> like, is this, is this goosebumps? Like, what is this? Um, <laughs> or is and, like desert power. Like, that yeah. Desert power. Like, oh, my, really? <laughs> but I, I, but the, the thing that I didn't understand really, I mean, I kind of get it, but I, I don't know why he had to get into that fight and kill that guy. And then they just move on like this guy was a was trash anyway. They're like, oh, you killed him. All right, let's keep going. Do 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 do. Like, I don't know. I didn't. I didn't well, really. I, I didn't think really it like was like scene. it. It was kind of like a little bit hidden, but like the idea of it was like the the mom bested Javier Bardem, who was the leader of the Freeman. Right. And their whole thing is like it's kind of like the. I think it's like a werewolf thing where it's like you have to beat the 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 head werewolf to become the new like lead werewolf kind of thing in a in a one-on-one battle so the guy was like treating like the tough between Javi and Bardem and the mom as like she is now leader of the freeman so then he's like I'm I'm gonna be an asshole now and I'm gonna say like I'm gonna challenge her so that I can become the leader of the freeman so they have like, like their own, they're like a warrior culture and they have like right. their own. I kind of like, got that. Yeah. They have their yeah. own, like, uh, what's the word? Like rituals and rules. Ritual, yeah. So it's like, yeah. So that's like, which they explain. Like, they explain that this is what we do and everything. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I, I think, just didn't, I didn't think that that like final fight felt all that intense. Climactic. I guess that's what it, it wasn't was. That climactic. Yeah. In the yeah, book, it's not maybe a climactic that's all moment. It it's not really. It just, I think it's because like, past the book, halfway through the book, honestly. Well, I think it's because, like, people, like, none of the, like, people really took that guy seriously. They're kind of like, you're wasting our time here. Mm -hmm. Like, that wasn't, that wasn't a, like, challenge of the leadership Uh and blah, blah. So it's like, I think, like, their laissez-faire attitude, like, really came across. And and I think maybe for, like, an ending scene, it might have hurt it a bit because it's like, yeah, there was no drama there. There wasn't like, oh, is Paul yeah. gonna die? It's like oh, he's gonna easily take this guy out. Yeah, something's uh, gonna happen where he's gonna he's gonna win, right? It, yeah, yeah, as like as like a movie, not an adaptation of a book that I really liked. I would I wouldn't if anyone has complains and is like it's not a full movie and like I don't like it. I would totally be sympathetic to that because it's like yeah, if you go in expecting a full movie with like a climax and an ending and everything to wrap up, that's not what you're getting. No, and most no. movies give you that, so it's kind of like. The first Harry Potter movie, which I didn't really like, is kind of the same thing. But even that has more of an arc than this. This really—it's the only no... one that I've seen, and to me, there's an ending. 
So this this movie really <laughs> has no like ending or no three. No, it really doesn't. Like anything. it actually, so, it, it almost yeah. ends in the middle of a conversation. It's actually called Dune Part One. They just hid that from the all the marketing. The yeah. movie is actually called Dune Part One. Yeah, so which I didn't realize. It's mm-hmm. actually half of a movie. Yeah, it's meant to be. Movie, it's meant to be so. from the first place. Yeah. Yeah. I think though they're it's gonna hurt them that they haven't started filming Dune Part Two yet. Like if yeah. they were gonna make the movie the way that they made it. Part two should have shouldn't have been like an afterthought of like maybe it'll get greenlit. It's uh-huh. like they should have committed to it because now like people will lose interest. Like how long are we gonna have to wait before Dune Part Two comes out? It's they like- said twenty three, but that seems quick. They must they mm-hmm. have to start filming soon for that to happen because this is not a simply put together uh-huh. movie. Like yeah, so it's like to me like. The way that they, they better f- do the next two back to back. That's what I would hope. Because Denis Villeneuve said that in order to tell the full story, he needs to do the first and second book, mm. which is true. Actually, after I've read both books, I don't think right. I actually don't think just the first book as a movie would be satisfying to a lot of people. I think we would need that second. Oh, book. okay, interesting. Yeah. I didn't realize so it'll that. Be like, yeah. So it'll be a trilogy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, it'll be a trilogy, but it'll be. Yeah, I'll cover the first two books. That's what I think. I haven't read the third book yet. I'll, I'll probably read it before the next movie comes out. But um, mm-hmm. he did say that. And I think that's a smart idea. And that's that's going to make it really good. It's going to be a really good trilogy, the way that second I, book I, ends. I'm 100% down for this trilogy. I mean, I, I like I like his one-off movies. I mean, like we said, with the with especially with Blade Runner and Arrival, like those are the ones that stand out. And that's, mm-hmm. you know, they're great standalone movies. You don't need to go any further with them. Um, but this one, because of the world that it, what it's, what it's based off of and all that stuff, this is a trilogy that I think we can all, at least right now, so far, safely say that we would be, you know, in line to watch. Oh, uh, absolutely. So. I just wish I didn't have to wait so long. <laughs> yeah. Same. Yeah. I know. Yeah. You know what? They always said the book was unfilmable. And when I was reading the book, I was like, holy crap, this is unfilmable. And I saw the movie <laughs> and that was wow that he managed to find like a two and a half hour through line to tell like a coherent story. So like what a well what a job well done. It's just I was blown away. I thought it was awesome. You know, it's 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 a really cool world and I think that's what makes the movie and that's why it's really something that you could enjoy multiple times too and probably pick up on little things here and there too, which is kind of fun. So um yeah so overall we really like the movie and we will be there for the next one or two. And um, Mike is pretty confident that it's a, uh, a very good adaptation or, or one of the best, if not the best book adaptation that, I've seen, that, I've seen, that, you, yeah. that you've seen. Yeah. Or if you, if you experienced both, both pieces of anyway. Um, so yeah, that's our thoughts on Dune and, uh, and Goosebumps go out and see both. Um, <laughs> two things based on books, two things based on books. <laughs> Look at that. Uh, I, I guess, you know, I, I don't really remember how the writing style is in the Goosebump books, but maybe it's a pretty good adaptation. We just don't remember. It could be. Yeah. They're kid books and the kid show. So yeah, exactly. So <laughs> pretty good. Um, so, uh, my, my, uh, my apologies for not mentioning this off the top, but, uh, if you're listening to this before November 6th, Extra Life um, provides money to children's hospitals across uh, North America. Our local one in Toronto is Sick Kids Hospital. And we are going to be getting together, myself, Mike, Rich, a couple of friends of ours. We're going to do everything that we can, whether it's physical or over distance. We're going to play games for as close to humanly possible as 24 hours while also trying to raise money for 
Sick Kids Hospital. And all the money goes straight to the hospital. We have our page open up already. And um, we're trying to do some streams leading up to November 6th as well. Um, donate. Basically, it is, is donate. You can find the page on all our social media pages, on the actual uh, podcast page itself. We have, we have uh, links to it and everything as well. So it's the easiest way. We're pretty much going to be, if you're listening to this before November 6th and a few days after, it's probably what you'll see us be posting and talking about the most leading up to it. Because um, like I've mentioned in episodes before, we don't get anything out of this podcast other than having a good time to uh, shoot the shit with friends. And if shooting the shit with friends for 12 months leads up to some money for children's hospitals, then it's all worth it in the end. Um, Mike, what's uh, what's the best way to find all that stuff and uh, and keep up with us too, so that people can find those links and uh, and donate to the page as well? Yeah, you can find us on social media at Day Back In, and we'll have all the links to our Extra Life page. We've already raised, I think, a thousand US dollars this year, so that's like ten thousand Canadian dollars for those who pay attention. <laughs> and um, we're trying to make it our biggest year yet. We've got a few extra friends that signed up. We raised, I think, twelve hundred or something last year. Something like that, yeah. Um, so we're trying to make it our biggest year yet. So you have to tune in on November sixth and donate if you can. Every dollar, every dollar counts and then we appreciate everyone who yes. sends even a dollar away or even shares or retweets or does whatever they can to get the word out and um yeah the podcast podcast is called back in my day find it on your podcast app of choice that's it up next after this episode we're going to have our uh, second half of our marathon recording that we did on our 100th episode sort of celebration where we talked about our favorite 90s video games uh, we have our movies one already out there and uh, up next is video games. And uh, we're probably going to try and record a podcast if we can as well during extra life day on November 6th too. So um, yeah, we that... usually record a live podcast. So that would be fun. Yeah. We'll we usually pick at least a couple hours. Cool. Yeah. And we can do that. We can do it as much of us anyway, in person uh, for the first time in a very long time too. So that'd be kind of fun. So um, guys, thank you so much. Uh, Wife power. Thank you for joining us. Anytime. My pleasure. Mr. Michael R. Power, uh, thanks. And uh, we will uh, see each other in roughly a week from now. And thank you, everybody, for listening. Thank you, everybody, for donating. Whether you have already or you will in the future, thank you. And uh, we will see everybody next time. Trades House is building a secret army using a technique unknown to us, a technique involving sound. Everyone was screaming. Shut up. Uh-huh.